0: A story Fill up the pages Sing a little song, keep me around, keep
1: been a minute hasn't it dear double wife of mine
0: double wife many,
1: many <laughs> did a you day, say double wife <laughs> i did say double wife many a moon have passed
0: oh double wife
1: yes did you hear devil i heard devil Hi, i'm
0: not you know super opposed to i'm just curious what earned me that moniker yeah.
1: many a moon has passed the wind has whispered through the leaves each of these cold Cold summer, very actually hot nights that we've spent together. Away from the light that is our
2: podcast.
3: How have you fared,
2: my dearest one?
0: Okay, so if I'm going to translate for our listeners, we, we took a small hiatus because we had to finish planning our wedding reception. We had our wedding reception. Then we retired from our wedding reception. Yes,
1: so, so very tired.
0: And this is the one we postponed from 2020 because we were a 2020 wedding originally.
1: Ah, the halcyon days long past.
0: But we've been legally married for a little more than a year anyway. So this is just the party, right?
1: Once the stars did glitter off the fading moonlight. was a time before.
3: Before nuptials and connubial cavorting. (laughs) And now. So now we're back.
1: Dear Devil White, rise, (laughs) tarnished, and present Welcome to ADD Storytelling, the podcast in which we explore the myths and legends of our time, the past, the present, and the future in no particular order, and sometimes with less than perfect focus and less than a discerning eye from me. My name is Tucker, as joined, as I am, I am, as I am joined as always, (laughs) nailed it. By the beautiful neurodivergent
2: diaphanous
3: double wife, Maddie. Maddie, how, how art thou? I'm actually doing okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Took some time. Hot
1: take. Interesting. Look into your life. What are we going to be talking about today?
0: So, we're doing part two of Fossil Mist, but this time it's in the Himalayas and like. You know, India-ish.
1: sweet. We're going back into it. And this time, I'm going to stay awake. I ain't going to fall asleep halfway through. You're
0: not going to fall asleep this time?
1: Nope. I have vigor and zest and zeal coursing through my veins with the white-hot cream of inspiration and podcast professionalism. I shall not slumber. (laughs) I shall not rest until this podcast has been completed. Oh, yeah? Yes.
3: Okay. Well. Would you
1: like to have some of my zeal?
0: I don't think I need any of your zeal. I think I'll be okay. Okay, so our sources for today.
2: Let's get to this to the beginning.
0: We've got Fossil Folklore from India. The Sea Wallet Kills. And the Mahabharata. Yeah. Uh, this is by Alexandra von Grier, Michael Dermazakis, and John DeVos. Perfect. From Folklore 119.
2: That that's a school text, isn't it?
0: Uh yeah, that's one of those academic journals.
1: I do an academic journal, or is that a uh, a course book that a teacher put together? Because that's sounds like folklore one nineteen sounds like one of those books you'd have to pay hundred and twenty dollars for in college that was pretty much just a three ring binder of Xerox uh, scholarly articles put together.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's like that. Um, the journal is called Folklore, and it's the hundred nineteenth issue of journal. Uh, we also got the Naga in Buddhism from the Gift of Dhamma. and then. We also have the article about the Great War from Wikipedia. World War I? No, from the Mahabharata. 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 Thank you. I can't read it without looking at it. Hmm. Quasi.
1: <laughs> you can't read it without looking at it. That's right. Isn't that how reading works? <laughs> All okay. right, uh, take it away.
3: All right, you gay little jackalope, what are we talking about today?
0: Okay, so we're talking about Ammonites, we're talking about solid grandmas, which are types of Ammonites.
1: Solid grandmas?
0: Solid grandmas?
1: So, yeah, solid grandmas, as opposed to liquid ones? We're
0: talking about gaseous, gaseous grandfathers. We're talking about the Great War.
1: World War I. Or is that different?
0: It's also called the
3: Kurukshetra. All right. So that war. The
0: one in the classic.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So let's talk about some spiritualness of Ammonites in different places and like just some symbolism associated with it. And then we'll talk about the real thing, which is the telegrammas, which is more relevant to the Indian epic that we're going to be talking about.
2: Hard geriatric women.
0: You you just say weird things, but it's it's better than joking about children. Cut out a lot of that. I wasn't allowed. I'm not podcast. allowed to
1: do that anymore. Yeah, no. I was told to stop with the child jokes.
0: Yeah, no, I just cut them all out anyway. So but, oh, so, so I can
1: keep time. making them.
0: Yeah, I'll cut them out.
1: Mm, they'll live somewhere.
0: Okay, so in Japan, ramenites are chrysanthemum stones, also called kikuishi, which are a class of water stones or a suiseki. So there's like this thread of Japanese mythology roving around stones being of different spiritual powers and
3: also
2: Nice thread pun, by the way. That's good. Game recognized <laughs> game on that one.
0: The spiral form of the Ammonite Um is regarded by Buddhists as a symbol of enlightenment and is worshipped as such. So they put him in fancy boxes and fill them with sand and Put them in temples.
1: Kind of like a Hindu mandala.
0: But what is an Ammonite, you ask?
1: No, I didn't ask. I asked if it was like a Hindu mandala. It sounds similar to your question, so I see how one could get confused, but... (laughs) What is an Ammonite?
0: Oh my gosh, it's an extinct mollusk from the Mesozoic era.
1: Fucking awesome. Tell me more.
0: They died out... Just when the dinosaurs did 66 million years ago. And you know what? I think you're in pain, so you sound sarcastic, but this is actually interesting.
1: You know, No, you're right. I'd much rather talk about the extinct mollusk <laughs> rather than the dinosaurs that existed around the same time. Go for it. <laughs> so Truly the, nearest- the more interesting of the two.
0: So this little Pokemon fella, their nearest living relative the chambered Nautilus is considered to be a living fossil in the sense that it's so closely related to the extinct one that they're like, what the fuck? How is this not still... How does this thing live in the other one?
1: Nautiluses are really fucking cool, though.
0: They are cool. They propel themselves in the water with yeah, like their little, little jet tentacle streams. jets. Yeah. They do little water very squirts. Very
1: exciting. They do what?
0: Little water squirts.
1: Let that one go, because you're trying to make me say something. But what I'm do you gonna mean? T- I'm not going to take the bait. Not today. <laughs> Not today, Maddie. I'm you awake. You
0: sound like you're mad at me.
1: I'm not. I'm no. I'm mad at my spine. That's the that's the true villain. Oh today.
0: yeah, guys. If we sound like a little bit more uh,
1: serious and professional.
0: Serious, professional, depressed, angry. What wow. Tucker's threw out his back, and uh, I have my continued chronic illness. So we're just chilling over here in this fun little pool.
1: And I know what you're all screaming into the mic, or not the mic, because you guys don't have those.
0: They're screaming, TMI, TMI, we don't care about your personal lives. Get no, the I'm certain
1: they're yelling, Tucker, if you threw out your back, then you better go catch it.
3: <laughs> too- Tell me more about these mollusks, Maddie.
0: So These fun
1: ocean rocks.
0: There's a fun um, sort of description of like the Ammonites By Su Song in his pharmacological treatise from, you know, 1061. So it's a really modern I did know
1: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to guess. Yeah. 1061, yeah.
0: (laughs) And in China, they're called Xiao Xi or Hornstones.
1: Well, where's the fun treatise? Don't don't give us Chekhov's treatise. Tell us it's fun and then not read it.
0: Well, I am going to read it. So this is a quote from the treatise. Treatise?
1: I believe it's pronounced tretice
0: I don't know. An English teacher can tell us.
1: Tretis.
3: Tretisi.
0: This is going to be R.O. Reagan. Tretis?
1: Tretis.
0: <laughs> okay, here it is. Tretisi. The stone serpent appears in rocks which are found beside the rivers, flowing into the southern seas. Its shape is like a coiled snake with no head or tail tip. Inside, it is empty. Its color is reddish purple. The best ones are those which coil to the left. Why the left? It also looks like the spiral shell of a conch. Or conch. You're from Florida. We do not know what... Wait,
1: that is not something that they only say in Florida.
0: It's like a southern thing.
1: No, it's not. It's just the correct pronunciation. The conch.
0: Wow, okay. Conch. It's it's got a ch... There's no cuh at the end of a word in English. We
1: just got remarried. And I will end this right now based on this con- conch, this
0: <laughs> debate. We do not know what animal it was, which was thus changed into stone. So this was translated in 1983. So, you know. probably That sounds- was
1: a pretty fun triatize. Yeah, it was. Thank you. So it's reddish purple, hollow and hard.
0: Yeah, and it looks like a coiled snake, but it's actually a coiled shell.
1: That's purple hard, hard. Sounds like me when we were in Mexico. Whoa.
0: Yeah, so like the coiled snake ones, they would put a little, like a lot of people like carve a little eye where the snake's head would be and a little mouth.
1: I like that, uh, that challenge in Squid Games.
0: Did you, you see had to a cut Squid out, Game? Because I didn't.
1: Little, cut out the little cookie. I like all the colors, though.
0: It's got cool colors.
1: What are your favorite squid game colors, Maddie? The yellow. That's a really good yellow. True. All right.
0: Okay, so early Greeks also saw Ammonites as sacred symbols associated with the horn god Jupiter Ammon. So they're the horns of Ammon. if Ammon-Ra? A-M-M-O-N. So like Ammonites. So maybe they named it after? Mm, Maybe,
1: but just south of them would be Ammon-Ra in Egypt, who they were closely in contact with.
0: Spelled differently, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, here it is, right, at the next line. They called them Cornu Amonis, Horns of Amon, from which the scientific name Ammonite is derived.
1: Uh-huh. And I'm thinking Amonite means
3: gob rock.
0: It actually means Pokemon.
1: I angrily drink my juice at you.
0: (laughs) Throughout history, ammonites were also used as protection from snake bites because they look like snakes. And cures for blindness, barrenness, and impotence.
1: What was the second one? Barrenness. Ah.
0: So when women can't have children.
1: Oh, I thought you meant like um, not like if you're the wife of a baron.
0: people can't Ah. birth.
1: You're not yeah, saying good. that if you're the wife of a baron and you wish to no longer have that title.
0: Baroness.
1: Yeah, a cure
3: for a baroness.
0: It sounds too close to baroness, which would be like the wife of the baron.
1: Yes. What? ooh, how many baronesses were bar- had <laughs> suffered from baroness?
0: <laughs> Terrible. Okay. Uh, for Buddhist and Nepal and
1: Child joke adjacent, so I got to make it.
0: <laughs> the Ammonites the represent the eight-spoked wheel of the law, uh, Dharma Chakra. Dharma. So, yeah, the, you know, the eightfold path, that whole thing. And they worship them as such. So, using them not only as the Japanese did, as meditation objects, but offering them to mountain gods in little high shri- those little high shrines up in the Himalayas that are, like, super cool, that are, like, built on the cliff sides. Mm-hmm. They have those... Some some of those have Ammonites in them.
2: Interesting.
0: Yeah. So, that just goes to show you, Ammonites
3: are pretty popular. Why does this feel accusatory?
0: Because that's why they made a Pokemon.
2: My god, they made Pokemon
1: out of fucking everything.
0: Yeah, they made a Pokemon over everything cool, like a sword and a pile of garbage.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you just dunked on yourself, so I don't really know. <laughs> Sure,
0: but this is from the OC Pokemon when they oh still had ideas.
1: <laughs> yeah, they sure did. Like Mister Mime,
0: genius cool. back
1: in the original, or Jinx.
0: That one's not cool.
1: No, a lot of Magnemite,
3: like the little magnet. Yeah,
0: it's that not cool. Could be <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair. I see. I see what you. I see what you're putting down. I got you. They're
1: 150 to start with. They all can't be winners.
3: <laughs> Jigglypuff. I can keep
1: going.
0: Jigglypuff is cute. It's pink. It's round, just like Kirby. So it's Clefairy.
1: They're all indistinguishable.
0: Whoa, Clefairy's squarish.
1: Oh, is it? Yeah. I'm going to pull it up, right? I'm going to derail this podcast and show you that.
0: It's like an Motherfucking...
1: oval. Okay.
0: That's <laughs> like a rounded. I see you. Square. All right. You're backing down. <laughs>
1: Square. My God. (laughs) Tell me more about these old slugs.
0: Those are um, shells, shellfish. I know. Not slugs.
1: I'm just being. So, um, full of spice now. Shit and vinegar.
0: In India, they're often associated as, well, they're called selagramas, ammonites, specific kinds of them. The majority of them that are specific and interesting to India are found near. The village of Salagrama in the Gandaki district of Nepal. Not And this far is where
1: Maddie suddenly segues into. But we won't be talking about the interesting ones. We will be discussing their lesser-known kin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. These
0: fossils are worshipped as symbols of the Hindu god Vishnu, who holds a disc in one of his forearms. This is specific... actually a
1: corn CD. If you look into the lore,
0: <laughs> the specific fossil associated with the god are known to be. Uh, This is Latin, so bear with me here. This will be good. Hola, cosfinctus. Fin hola, cosfinctus. And hola, cosfinctoides.
1: Sounds like you're speaking Spanish <laughs> to insult a Greek man.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I don't really speak Spanish.
1: Uh, I, claro que sí. Si. I was in Mexico with you recently. <laughs> I liked how, in the weeks leading up, you were assuring me, "I'm going to start learning some more Spanish to brush up on this." And when we got there, you just shut—you didn't say say a word to anyone.
0: I also didn't study.
1: I know. And when I asked you, like (laughs) two days in, I was like, are you going to try to speak Spanish?" You're just like, "No." (laughs) (laughs) Like sweet.
0: I'll do better next time. I was in—I was in a state of extreme stress. Anyway. (laughs) You. Anyway, that's only one type of cellogrammas. There's also some that have the sign of the conch with white lines. They can be turtle-shaped or umbrella-shaped. There's a whole list of them in the Brahma Purana if you're interested in that.
3: A show um, of hands.
0: Well, this guy just this guy was writing the article and he didn't even Go that much into it, so
1: that's a good sign. <laughs> good sign.
0: <laughs> anyway, the list of existing telegrama types includes stones for worship for Shiva as well. That's another Hindu goddess.
1: When Shiva takes the form of a dog, do you know what it's called? Hmm. Shiva Inu.
0: Oh, like a Shiba, like a dog. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, okay, yeah. so you're using a Japanese word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. That threw me a minute there. Okay.
1: Then you better go catch it.
0: In addition, partial Amanites are often considered to represent part of the Jesus. god Ganesha's. Ganesha? Ganesh. Ganesh. It's got an A at the end.
3: Ganesh's elephant trunk instead ah, of the broken on, Vishnu
1: chakra. On of the coil. Yeah. Yeah. Tight. So it's we've got Shiva, Ganesh, and uh, Vishnu. Mm hmm. So it's just covering all the heavy hitters.
0: Oh, yeah, it's a big one. The myth behind Vishnu's petrified disc is told in the Shiva Mahapurana from the 3rd to 12th century.
1: Yes, this disc I got, it's the album Follow the Leader, which I received from the old dispensary Sam Goody at the mall. Check this corn CD out. It really rips.
0: So here's a little short summary of that myth.
1: I just gave it. Oh right! I was supposed to wait for the, your cue. so... Oh,
0: well, that's that's an alternate version for you know a fanfic maybe on Tumblr, and then there's this is the one that's that would
1: go on Live Journal. Come on.
0: Once there was a quarrel between the god Shiva and the demon, Jalandhara. Whichever one of them whose wife would lose her chastity would lose the fight. That's very old fashioned. Thus, Jalandhara disguised himself as Shiva, and approached Pravati, Shiva's wife. Hravati recognized him and called him upon Vishnu. Vishnu, disguised as Jalanhara, went to Vrinda, Jalanhara's wife. She did not recognize him, and it was too late when she realized her mistake.
1: Oh, she begged Vishnu? Disguised as her husband? That's right. That's, That's gross. This is some Greek shit.
0: She put a curse on Vishnu that he would become stone, grass, tree, and plant. Since then, Vishnu resides in the Salagrama stone, the Kusha grass. The Pipel Tree and the Tool Seed Plant.
3: Alright. So yeah. Crazy story.
1: I've heard crazier.
0: You've heard crazier.
1: I've heard crazier.
0: They impersonated each other and tried to bang each other's wives. Yeah. That was the bet.
1: Uh huh
0: it seems like a great story
1: <clears throat> okay, I'm not saying it's not. that seems like a lot of effort I mean we t- <laughs> told a story about a lady that took care of I feel of like bear. they would
0: have had the same level of success telling their wife and being like hey we have to be celibate for a bit yeah. and then before they went off to do that thing and or then- just
1: maybe you know like have a little pride in your appearance and just be you they might still want to sleep with you you are a god yeah maybe just saying
3: I'm Vishnu is that doing something for you probably going to get a yes. Especially since he's already, you know.
1: Yeah, like right now, arms, Maddie. So,
0: so we're going to sort of shift into Nagas, which also have a little bit of a connection to Omnites, but are not really Omnites.
1: I love Nagas. They're a big sea serpent. Yeah.
0: Half yeah. serpent, half human. Often with multiple
3: heads. Nagas. Um, so, this old Greek guy, Philostratus.
1: Yeah, that sounds like an old Greek guy.
0: Mm-hmm. Refers to Dracondis.
1: Hey, Maddie, do you know why uh, the ancient peoples liked naga so much when it was shedding?
3: Why?
2: Because they felt uh, it, was a, it was appealing.
3: Okay,
0: good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dracondas, which were supposed to live beneath the Himalayas, so they have crests and bear sparkling jewels in their skulls. And some of the skulls were displayed in the city of Paraka.
1: Like vision.
0: So this is just a random city, some ancient city that they refer to, but no one seems to know where it is and what they were talking about. Paraka? Paraka, yeah. Pac. I don't know which. The city remains unidentified. In any case, it is of interest to note that dragon skulls were known and displayed in the Ciballoc Hills. Oh. The description of dragon skulls in Philostratus' stories are applicable to the skulls of extinct giraffes. Like...
1: <laughs> Actually, no, that tracks. Yeah, giraffe skulls look pretty hardcore.
0: So the uh, Latin names for that would be here we go. Siva Therium. And Draphokarix. And also, uh, elephants. just
1: so the listener knows, a hell gate has opened up beneath us. And,
0: um, Elephis Sudricus found in this region.
1: Yes, the hell gate is widening. Oh, Dracon. In
0: Apollonius' time, which was like just a little bit before Philostratus, because Philostratus' book is about Apollonius because he's like more important. So he's like, I'm going to write the biography. Anyway.
1: So thank you for specifying
0: yeah. that. Yeah. Dracon referred to something like a huge toothed serpent, which in rare cases was thought to be winged and flying and drawing flying chariots like those of the goddess Demeter and the sorceress Medea.
1: Not not Hermes?
0: No. A few centuries earlier, however, the term denoted a kind of seer or wise creature. And of course, since it's unclear exactly what the heck they were talking about, he definitely could have been talking about Nagas or Naginis.
1: Or Morgan Freeman.
0: The Nagini being the feminized version of the Naga, which is like yes. half snake, half human, multiple heads. Sometimes five to seven heads, anyway. And there's Living that, in pools there's below that really the cool. earth, especially beneath the Himalayas of ne- Nepal and Tibet.
1: There are stories of the female samurai, the few that did exist, and they would wield a weapon called the Nagini. Uh, it was a play on Nagini. Because Naginata.
0: Was,
1: Naginata, thank you. Yeah, which is a play on uh, Nagini. Naginata
0: is a kind of glaive. Yeah. In case you're interested.
1: It's super badass.
0: It's pretty badass.
1: Extremely badass.
0: Anyway, the Nagas or Naginis were not regarded as being monstrous or evil serpents, but rather wise and benevolent semi-divine beings, who are still mildly worshipped over India as being bringers of wisdom and protection. Today, the King Cobra... um, is regarded as being the Nagaraja or the Naga King. Huh. So since Nagas are snakish and the Himalayas are full of Ammonites, which many people have sort of conflated with snakes because of the curled shape.
1: On account of the of curling the shell. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It could be that Philostratus Draconus were fossil ammonites. Especially since uh ammonites have a sparkling golden appearance. So the Swalik range of mountains that we've been talking about where we find all these ammonites and such, the fossils, especially those in the younger layers of the geological crust or whatever, are exposed for the most part and visible at the surface. Many of the Swalik fossils are filled with large calcite crystals, which make them even more fantastic. So they're all like, they're also, they're fossils and they're covered in shiny sparkles. Yeah. So that's what. Maybe the myth of the dragons that have the skulls, like the jewels in their skulls, came from.
1: It's a bit of a stretch, though, isn't it?
0: Well, this is all a hypothesized folklore paper, isn't it?
1: Well, it's your podcast, we you're supposed to have answers.
0: They also figure prominently in the Mahabharata, especially in Book 1, where the Nagas are shown to assist heroes and are connected to being sacrificial for the sake of better, like the greater good.
3: The great good. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah.
0: Let's take a little bit of a sidetrack into some cool things about Nagas before we get into the Great War, which will be the last thing we talk about.
1: They're long, they're slippery, they're snaky, they make good hiss, they're like danger noodles, and you can wrap them around your arm and wear them like a bangle.
0: So, the nagas live at the bottom of deep rivers, seas, and oceans, and in the bowels of the earth. They can fly in the air, but they don't often do so because then they'll be exposed to attacks by their great mythic enemy, um, like the the big birds. The mongoose.
3: Well, the Gallon or Garuda birds,
1: uh, yeah, damn it, Thunderbirds.
0: They are connected with the B- Great Buddha and the Bodhisattvas. There's one like Bodhisattva thing that has their he's like King of the Nagas or whatever. But there's like a little cute story about the Buddha in his sixth week. You know when he's doing his big Buddha journey. Mm-hmm. But like in the sixth week, so I'm just gonna show. It's like a tiny paragraph, but it's it's cute. And there's a little statue that shows it. Um, In the sixth week, he he was meditating under the Mukalinda tree when there was a heavy rain. Mukalinda, the king of serpents, coiled around the body of the Buddha seven times and held his large hood over the Buddha's head so that he would not get wet. Because he's like a big cobra guy. Mm -hmm. So he basically was like a little little snake brilla.
1: A snake brilla?
0: For the Buddha. Yeah, because Buddha was doing important spiritual work, like a Buddha and the brother. Naga king is very nice, so he wanted to help him out. So he was mm, a little umbrella. Delightful. It is delightful.
1: Your expression is very, very animated and loving. You're, you're very tickled by this snake brother, aren't you?
0: <laughs> There's also um, a bunch of folk elements in Burmese Buddhism about the cult of Naga. There's some like mythical beliefs that still um, remain to the day. So when you look at the Burmese calendar, if one goes in the direction of the Naga's mouth, disaster will result. And if one goes against the direction of the Naga's scales, ill luck will follow. For example... Well, it's
1: pretty head-on. Don't look a cobra in the face, and don't (laughs) pet against the scales, because it's rough and, you know, it's going against the grain, quite literally.
3: Yeah, true.
1: Take the easy, smooth, silky, slimy route down the snake's body when you stroke it. And if you're going to look at a snake, don't look at uh, its little snake lips.
0: The Bernice Naga is dangerous when angered, and its mere frown turns the human being into ashes. So that's (laughs) very, like, Baskillus-esque.
1: Yeah, but it's dependent on expression, which I very much like.
0: Even when not angry, its breath can blind a human being, as it is so hot.
1: I hear that.
0: It can assume human form, and on the whole, it is a benevolent. Be Benevolent being. Bowning Believe that nagas live at the bottom of deep rivers, ocean of bows of earth, blah blah blah. They're cave, wet snakes. Giant worms. Yeah. Although they fly in the air, they don't do it because the birds are just saying the same thing. Okay, whatever. They can... It's a benevolent being. Continue on.
1: Yeah, I guess hawks do eat the fuck out of snakes, don't they? They are associated... do be that snake meat.
0: <laughs> they are always associated with having strong magical powers a vast esoteric knowledge, and a capacious nature, which can quickly change from friendly and helpful to angry and malicious. They are keepers of the treasures of the water element, magical gems, and precious stones, and they are often portrayed holding a gem in their hands, being adorned with jewels, or wearing a gem in their crown. Those precious stones not just grant them immortality, but also the ability to magically emanate themselves into all kinds of forms and bodies. Possessing those magical gems, as in the crystallized wisdom power of the Naga.
1: As in the Dragon Balls, thank you.
0: Exposes them to many enemies who like to steal this huge source of power. Apparently it's the fight between the Nagas and their great arch fiends, the Garuda, the giant mythical birds. Mm-hmm. Um, is this, And this fight is the essential force or polarity which creates the world of existence. So, interesting. Also, Nagas are super-involved and a lot of, like, they're referenced in a lot of different things. I just read, I've read two books lately where a Naga has popped up. Some modern things. that comes up. Okay. Anyway, let's talk about the Great War.
1: Before we do that, I was wondering if you were going to touch on the fact that there's also the Ryujin in Japanese culture, which is the god of the ocean and sea. It's a large serpent, dragon. The, you know, because we've talked about in past episodes that Ryu is the word for dragon. And they've got that whole ocean water snake serpent thing going on, too. Yeah,
0: Definitely it seems coming to be up. sort of a, like, pan-Asian thing. Mm-hmm. Serpents being water creatures. Yeah. And sky creatures versus...
2: Garden know. of Eden creatures.
0: Yeah, versus, like, I don't know, Arthurian legends where they're just, like, land lizards with
1: fire. Or just, like, symbolizing the devil.
0: Yeah, something.
1: At all, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about World War One. No, let's talk about mustard gas.
0: The Bharata, the Great War. This is the longest epic in India, which tells the history of the descendants of King Bharata. This epic poem consists of more than ten wait hundred thousand two line stanzas divided into eighteen books. It's compared to eat
1: you know, your heart out, George R. R. Martin,
0: the Iliad, the Odyssey, etc. Right, so the books that we have today were originally oral tradition and then transformed into the 18-book epic. So, the author in this is positing that the symbolic hills below the Himalayas are strewn with impressive fossils that could have caused the inspiration for the tales for the Great War in the Mahabharat. Hmm.
3: So, it's on a dinosaur
1: fossils or more mollusk? <laughs> if this is more mollusk inspiration. Not mollusk. Okay.
0: We're on to bigger things. Let's give just a little brief summary of this war and then we'll talk about all of the things that uh were kind of strewn about in the in the um, I guess the flurry. Yeah. Because maybe someone hasn't read the 18-book epic, and they might want a, a quick description of this war and what the heck we're talking about.
1: Yeah, it's a demon-angel-heavenly-body war where they have nukes. We talked about the nuke in an episode, didn't we? Oh, no, that was off the, off the podcast.
0: So the Mahabra, um has spread further east and became part of the co- common legendary past of Cambodia, Thailand, Vietnam, and sometimes Indonesia as well.
3: Obviously, it's Indian in nature. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, the Mahabharata states that in the year in which the war took place, three solar eclipses took place within a 30 day period, which are considered to be ill omen, in case nobody knew. Also, not good.
1: Ancient alien theorists suggest that that's a. Metaphor for the nuclear fallout that occurred after the use of uh, atomic weapons in this great battle was the sky going
2: dark.
0: They're talking about the Mahaparata. Mm-hmm. Okay,
3: interesting.
2: The interesting conflict
3: arose and from
0: a. stupid. My... Well, I said interesting or sarcastic way. I think it I was implied for my stance that it's stupid. And I
1: said stupid in a very serious way, because it is.
0: Mm. The conflict arose from a dynastic succession struggle between two groups of cousins, the Korovas oh, and the Pandavas, for a, the throne of Hastinapura.
1: That was the most social studies ass sentence I've heard in a long time, and I only read... F- historical fiction or nonfiction? Should I rephrase it? No, it's great. It's just
0: this from Wikipedia. No, oh,
1: I just dried up. Every moist part of my body has become arid.
0: So two groups of cousins—they're like, I want that throne up in Hastinapura. So that, that was the Kauravas the funk on it now. and the Pandavas.
1: Mm-hmm. Into it. All right. Yeah, it's got some flavor and zest.
0: Krishna. He is like, I don't want to go to war, but those bitches over there do not deserve this throne. So I'm going to travel to the kingdom of Hastinapur to persuade the Kauravas to see reason. So Krishna is part of the kind of us.
1: Hell yeah, you go, king.
0: He's like, avoid bloodshed. Let's go and like, just accept me as your divine ambassador and everything's going to work out for you.
1: Bro, I got you. right behind you.
0: So at this formal presentation of peace you know, by by Krishna at the court of Hastinapur, Krishna asks Duryodhana, which is the king guy of the mm-hmm.
3: Kureva. Sorry.
0: That took a second. <laughs> uh, Krishna asks...
1: Maddie had to buffer for a minute there.
0: Yeah. I'm just gonna say Krishna asks Duryodhana to restore the status quo Or give at least five villages back to the Pandavas, because there's five Pandavas, so they each get their own village. It's treating
1: this like like a monopoly kind of transaction?
0: Yeah, right. So that would restore peace if they they balance the power between the two groups of cousins.
1: Five villages are what drew the line between peace and war? Yeah. It was fairly small and petty.
0: Yeah. Um, Duryohana
3: refuses. Um, you
1: say Daryl Hannah refused?
3: I love Daryl Hannah? She's married to Neil Young now.
0: Anyway, Krishna, like, is some sort of divine ambassador, so he turns into this ball of light, and he's like, like how John dare king. you insult me? Because, like, um, the current king was like, I'm gonna arrest you, and you're a piece of shit. And then they... You know, this whole peace mission just blew up in both of their faces, so then he returns to the Pandava camp, Krishna does, to inform the Pandavas that the only course left to uphold the principles of virtue and justice is war, so with both sides willing to, or unable to, compromise their values and desires and such thing, the war begins. It's noted throughout the war that the Kaurava army stood facing west, and the Pandava Army stood facing east, so one of them is ritually blinded by the sun <laughs> yeah
1: see so that whole that whole background lead up does feel like the quick synopsis uh the quick lore rundown in episode one of an anime, where once you get to the end of the uh the explanation or the backstory, you, you say to yourself i i didn't retain any of that, but this is kind of fucking intense this is gonna be epic
0: yeah. But it is in it's, fact. An it's
1: epic. looking cool, but I don't know what I'm looking at.
0: Yeah. So, okay. the war takes place over they 18 boom. days, each day being described in the Mahabharata. This battle is considered to be part of the oldest chapters in the ancient epic of this. Indeed. So, they fight for 18 days. It's generally a shit show. Only 12 warriors survive the war. Sweet. The, f- <laughs> the five Pandavas. So, those are the ones that wanted the five villages originally. So, they made it out on top. Uh, Krishna. Of course, they did. Yudhishthira is crowned king of Hinastapur. So, after ruling for 36 years, he renounces the throne, passes on the title to Arjuna's grandson, Parikshit. They get the crown king after giving on the title. Is the lone survivor, and being of pious heart, is invited oh. by Dharma to enter the heavens as immortal.
1: The one of them with the most interesting and greatest story to tell.
0: He was a king. Bran. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's the war, and what we're interested in is the, the horrible kind of yada yada
1: yada of that behind. war.
0: Yeah. So the descriptions of the battlefield in the Mahabharata itself, which are books seven through nine. And in later sources, especially in the dramas entitled Urupanga and the wedding. *Karna Bahara*, uh, which are dramas. from 400 to 600 CE, they all refer to the remains of elephants, horses, and men, and some of them decapitated and thrown about. There's also a bunch of vultures, you know, as battlefields have, and the descriptions of the battlefield are lengthy and interwoven with all kinds of similes and can be summarized as follows. Interesting to note is the emphasis on decapitated corpses, specifically, isolated heads, and broken weaponry. So, interesting in the sense that, like, there are probably some fossils to back that up. Mm. So, here we probably.
1: go. Probably. Are we. felt like we were building towards something.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're building towards it. That's what I'm saying. This is the. This is, this the, is the tantric pretty. portion. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, the other name for this war is the Kuril Shetra. So, the earth of the. Kurukshetra's plain is strewn with fallen seeds, some deprived of their tongues, others with their tongues protruding. Steeds are slain in hundreds and in thousands. Broken cars and mighty weapons, broken into fragments, are scattered around. There's a confused mass of torn mail, skins, umbrellas, chowries, javelins, arrows, spears, and armor mixed with the headless trunks, and a litter of every sort of weapon. Trunkless elephants are lying prostrate. Why are they trunkless?
2: Because they left
3: their
1: board shorts.
0: That's from Book 6. This here is from Book (laughs) 9. Kuruksetra's plain is strewn with the fallen heads that are crimson with blood. Fallen heads are seen everywhere, lifeless heads with upturned eyes. The ground is soaked with the blood of horses, men, and elephants, wounded and slain. Uh, This is from Book 9 also. Duryodhana's muscular shoulders, hard as the trunk of Idra's elephant. Are torn open.
1: <laughs> wow, you really had me thinking you were about to say I- Idris Elba. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess it's Indras elephant. Sorry.
1: Yeah, and you're talking about hard, big Indra's. shoulders and heavy, hard trunks. And I was like, oh, we are talking. Mm, this is Selva.
0: His adversary pulls out one of his mighty arms, then tears open his chest and finally beheads him and drinks his blood.
1: Brutality.
0: So that was the king that refused the priest offer, uh, the peace offering by Krishna. So that he got his comeuppance, right? Yeah, there.
1: that seems like a fair fair reaction <laughs> to refusing a peace offering.
0: And then this is the, the last thing here I have is from Book 10. Thousands of men had fallen down, deprived of life. Innumerable headless trunks stood up and fell down again. When heads are severed, trunks rush on by force of heaven. Like a chicken.
2: Yes. Come on for you.
0: So, what did we find up in them hills? Boneses? The Swalik Hills below the Himalayas it was are, strewn, gold are strewn with Pleopleistocene vertebrate fossils.
1: Oh, look over here. We got some Pleioplystocene vertebrate. <laughs> the place is filthy with them Pleioplystocenes.
0: Bones of large vertebrates such as giraffe-like beasts and if I mastodons. P-
1: if I was to done straight my hair, you could call me a Pleioplystocene girl.
0: They could be interpreted as limb bones of mighty heroes and gods.
1: Call them I'm a himbo.
0: Because apart from the scale, they look similar to human bones. Oh. So, in specified regions mentioned in the Mahabharata, the vertebrate remains found at the surface belong to the Upper Siwalik Hills. The Back age of the fossil fauna found it. here is the late Pliocene and is dated about 2.48 million years ago.
1: Wow. <laughs> With the gusto.
0: Examples of this fauna include a stegodont. <laughs> which is, I guess, <laughs> a stegogon <laughs> insignus mm-hmm. Um Elephants.
1: That's not a plant, Maddie.
0: Like the elephants planifrons and the elephant hydros... <laughs> um, horses. Is ella plant? We're, we're talking about not plants. We're talking about fauna. I
1: fauna always mess those up.
0: Flora yeah. is plant. Yeah. Fauna is animal. Don't
1: yell at me, teacher. Get it, okay? Oh,
0: sorry. I didn't know how to say with, with emphasis. I wasn't trying to.
1: Yes, so sorry. My bad. Uh.
0: Rhinoceroses.
1: Rhinocerai.
0: A hippopotamus.
1: A a, 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 a a camel. One camel. So it's not plural, camel
0: A giant turtle.
1: And just one, one turtle and one camel?
0: And many other species, including a pig, crocodile, and a deer, which are not yet precisely identified. Well, there are also rare remains of a saber-toothed presi- cat. A short-knit giraffe with impressive horns, such as the seraphidium and the giraffe
1: Sounds like quite the uh, abundant biosphere.
0: Yes. Moreover, thousands of ancient bronze javelins and spears were also found there after rains. The authors of Indian Fossils article posit that these archaeological artifacts, along with the, paleontolo- uh, the Along with the paleontological-
1: Paleontological?
0: Paleontological! There you go. <laughs> remains appear to have influenced the setting and context of the great battle in the Mahatparath.
1: That's pretty fucking
2: cool.
0: That's their hypothesis and the other hypothesis. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of, like, local worship surrounding um, the battle remains because that's just not a thing that you do in India. Bodily no. remains, be it complete or in parts, such as teeth, hair, nails, skins, and bones, are considered unclean by the Hindus. So worship of these unclean materials is not appropriate in the Hindu world. So that's not going to be a thing in India. However, bone and tooth worship in a Buddhist context is as old as the religion itself.
1: Oh, they—they'd be fucking crazy about them bones and teeth.
0: The stupas, or mound-shaped religious monuments,
1: always have a bone of the Buddha inside them. bones.
0: generally enclose relics of the Buddha or of one of his monks. This is
1: very similar to Catholic churches that are also supposed to have the bone of a saint in the altar. That's all the stupas have. Parts Or, yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical, like, uh, bone of the Buddha, but it can be, like, the Buddha's, like, cask, like a water jug he once had, or a mat that he was said to have sat on when he visited this place.
0: He said generally relics of Buddha or of his monks. So, the, yeah. for example, the three like stupa contains a right collarbone, mm-hmm. uh, the dalada malagawa, a left upper canine. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a tooth. Mm-hmm. And the Samavati Vehera, a right upper canine, another tooth. All three stupas are in Sri Lanka. Yeah. <laughs> cool.
2: That's
3: that's great. <laughs>
0: that's what I got about the the fossil war. So um, I am just totally fascinated with the idea that bones create mythology about things like a huge indian epic that shaped like that whole world view of like the ancient times
1: or dragons
0: it's like you know if you found a bunch of fossils for the greek shit people would be all over that
1: What, like fossils demonstrating like a something a story from the greek pantheon yeah 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 absolutely it's fascinating
0: or like good shit you know
1: It's validation of your world building and your religious uh, theology.
0: Or like, what if they found that one ravine where the 300 Spartans died or whatever? People would be all into that.
1: They they know where that is. That's a real place and thing.
0: Wait, it wasn't actually 300 Spartans. I think it was like 2,000 Spartans and like a larger thousands amounts of Persians. Yes. They only held them off because it's just a narrow...
1: Yeah, exactly. That's why it's renowned, they would say. Yeah. tactical victory yeah it was in Thermopylae, in greece is that 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 is? yeah
0: yeah anyway people care about that they there's do. a movie about it
1: now <laughs> you're right people are quite into it
0: is that gerard butler
1: yes and we've lost maddie so well thank you for this journey <laughs> i know that i have learned more about fossils this week than i have in quite some time So much that I might say I'm all boned up over here.
0: Yeah, this may not be super interesting to you if you do not care about rocks or fossils. I like rocks and fossils. So I was like, all up in this. Being like, fossils? All up in it. There are fossils where they said there would be bones. Wow. Whoa. Wow. This tale is like, there's a bunch of bones here, and there's a whole of these horrible ways people died. And then they're like, hey, we found some fossils.
1: Maddie do be loving bones. Right there. But you didn't seem this excited by the catacombs and the various bone raves we attended down there.
0: I was excited. You were just too freaked out to notice because you were freaking out that we were like 17 levels underground.
1: Yeah, I had a minor panic attack that visit. But...
0: Yeah. yeah. And
1: I'd already seen it. It's fine. It yeah, it was care cool. that time. <laughs> anyway, thank you, dear listener, for your undoubtedly large large donation that you've made yet again this week. We always appreciate it. It keeps us going. That's how I've bought my third car, and yes, we, none of this would be possible without you. I, like Taylor Swift, often off to use my jet, and it's all thanks to you and your continued support.
0: This is where Tucker weaves tales that are not commonly true.
1: Yes, I'm a, an enigmatic storyteller of sorts.
0: That's and magic fucker,
3: you mean?
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, cool. Cool. <laughs> uh, cool guy. Yeah, you're a cool guy. Yeah. Where can we follow us for the podcast, cool guy? I don't fucking know. ADD Storytelling Podcast on Instagram.
0: ADD underscore storytelling on TikTok, right? Yes. You can support our podcast at anchor.fm/slash adstoryteller. And you can send us an email if you want to give us some insight or tell me how fucking boring that was for you or how fucking interesting if you're just like me and you're a soul stone person.
1: Maddie is wicked.
0: Um, At adstoryteller at gmail.com. They
1: are on the defensive for their own internal. Mind critique. Yeah, this is on the episode
0: where I was like, maybe this isn't interesting enough. This is the first time I've actually cared about that versus just talking.
1: Objectively untrue. That happens about once a month. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yes. (laughs) We've had this conversation many a time.
0: Am I interesting? I don't know. Yeah. I still do the podcast blatantly, even though no one asked me to, but no one can stop me either.
1: (laughs) All right. Maddie needs to go to bed. (laughs) Anyway, thank you all very much. (laughs) We'll see you next week.